Hey, you amazing person, you. Welcome back to another episode of Woman Behind the Lens. This podcast is dedicated to inspiring, empowering, and educating the woman God has called to get behind the lens and boldly produce stories that will impact the world. Think of it this way. God has already greenlit your movie. So think of me as your producing partner, helping you get the job done. I'm your host, award-winning actress, filmmaker, and community advocate, DJ Renuka Henry. I'm so glad you're here. Let's start the show. So what does it mean to be God's filmmaker? There's a lot of ways that you can be a filmmaker. You can make stories for marketing companies, for corporations, for followers, for money, for fame, for your own artistic expression, for your own ego. I've tried all of these, but when you're called and set apart for him, you can't just do anything for anyone anymore. In order for me to tell you how I became God's filmmaker, I'm going to have to tell you a story. I'm going to have to tell you a story that starts in 2015. That is the year that I was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis. I was at home. Um, I'd been having symptoms for years, for years, um, probably starting since I was a teenager. Um, but we never knew what it was. I went through so many doctors and testings. We didn't know. So here I am in 2015. I'm in my 30s. We just have gone through a really, really rough patch in our family. Um, we are coming out of the storm. Um, we actually moved and um, felt like things were kind of looking up. But I had been having some intense headaches, and they were just getting worse and worse and worse. And my husband had been traveling for several weeks, and I remember the week that he was back, I woke up in that morning just like I do every morning, I looked outside. I thanked God for waking me up in the morning. I went to the restroom and I remember starting to feel very weird. Um, and then I started to feel like, oh my gosh, I'm going to pass out. Then I remember thinking, Deja, stop being so dramatic. You're going to be fine. You're just being too dramatic. And then the moment hit me when I was like, no, I'm not being dramatic. This is real. So I remember calling for my husband and I just went down. I didn't actually pass out. I couldn't move anything from my neck down. We had to call the ambulance. I went to the hospital. They gave me some medication and over time I started to regain movement. But their conclusion was that I had vertigo. I went home. I thought that was very strange. I didn't understand what was happening to me, but it was very frustrating. Later that week, I started noticing that the left side of my face wasn't really responding to my efforts to smile or, you know, have expression on that side of my face. And then slowly I noticed that my hearing was getting cloudy or felt like cotton was in my ears. I started to slowly swell everywhere. I was losing my balance. And at that point, I told my husband, this is not getting better. I need some help. We ended up going to see a neurologist and immediately he said, you need to go into the hospital for three days of steroid treatments. I was like, what are you talking about? Um, I had recently had some MRIs done and they had thought maybe this is 
uh, multiple sclerosis at the time, but nothing was conclusive. Um, I didn't have doctors really around me kind of telling me what was going on until it had gotten so bad I had to go to the hospital. And I wasn't there for three days. I was there for seven days, seven days of steroid treatments. Actually, I take that back around the testing. Immediately when I went in, I had some MRIs done and they came in right away and they were like, you have so many lesions on your brain and on your spine. You have MS and we don't need to do any further testing. I was so full of emotions because for several years I'd been wondering what was going on with me. I was having very strange symptoms, pain, um, numbness, tingling down my arms, extreme pain all the time. Um, the tingling was getting worse. It's almost like your nerves are vibrating. It's, it's, it's nerve issues are very, very hard to describe, but that's the best way I can put it. And it's very, very annoying. It takes over your whole life. And I'd been having these symptoms, extreme fatigue, and they thought I had fibromyalgia. They thought I had rheumatoid arthritis. They thought all kinds of things were going on. So on one hand, I was like, oh my gosh, I have an answer. And on the other hand, I was like, what is happening right now? What is this? What does this mean? So I thought that I would just get my treatments. I walked out of that hospital. I was 20 pounds heavier in one week, which is another story. Extremely frustrating. If for any of you out there that have had to take steroids, you know that it can do a number on your body. But that's another episode. <laughs> I walked out of there and I thought, I'm going to get back to my life. I'm going just going to, I'm just going to go right back to it. But I was so exhausted. I understood at that moment why in movies people are in wheelchairs after they're in the hospital. Um, yeah, it was, it was pretty rough coming out of there and coming off of those steroids. And what was more was in one to two weeks after that, I had to go to LA because a film of mine was premiering out there. And I was so scared about if I could make it, if I could go. It was my first movie that I had made with my friend and we'd put it into a film festival and it got an in and it got nominated and we'd raised money and raised enough money, just enough money to go out to LA to be there when they called our names for the nominations. And I was just so distraught. I was so, I think, tired and worn out. And thank God for my husband. He was like, you need to go. You're going to go. This is important that you go. So by God's grace, I was able to get on the plane and go out to LA and walk that red carpet and see my film. And it was so funny because I thought, oh my gosh, I can't believe I've been dreaming of this. And this is how I'm going out to LA to see a film. But I made it through and I came back and it was such a whirlwind. I didn't really have time to process everything. So I came back thinking, I'm good. I can go back to work. So 
I went back to work. Um, I really enjoyed my job. I was a writer at a marketing company, a startup. I really liked the people I worked with. I felt like I had a work family for the first time. I felt like I was on my way with some type of work career and God had other plans. I knew I wasn't supposed to go back to work actually in my heart. I knew that my life was changing, but I just couldn't process exactly how it was changing. So I went back to what I knew. I went back to what was comfortable. I went back to work and immediately I started having symptoms again, fatigue, foggy thinking, um, pain, tingling. I mean, the the fatigue was so extreme, the mental fatigue. I, I was not ready to go back to work or anything like that looking back, but I, I kept trying and I felt like God was saying, you need to quit. And it was so heavy. It was so heavy, just nagging me, nagging me. And I was like, how can I quit? We just bought a new house and my husband's business was about to close. And what are we going to do? I can't quit. And I wrestled with God for days and weeks. I mean, back and forth, back and forth, not being willing to make this decision. And I remember I was praying. I was alone on my couch and I was praying and arguing with God, really. And it was so strong in my spirit. It hit me. I am your provider. I am your provider. And I just hit the ground. I hit the ground on my knees because I realized I was looking at my job as my provision. I was looking to something outside of God to take care of us. And I fell to the ground because I had to repent because I knew the Holy Spirit was telling me the doggone truth. So I finally got the courage up and I talked to my husband and he was supportive. He was supportive of me, which I have to thank God for because um, the state that we were in with our work and finances coming in, it didn't make logical sense. You know, most people would think this is reckless and irresponsible. So all night long, my stomach was burning with anxiety and I was struggling. How am I going to say this? But I I spoke to my boss and I told him what was going on. Now, I was, <laughs> it was a little hard because you can't go into work and really say, God told me that he's my provider and I shouldn't be working here anymore. I can't do that. So, but I explained, you know, I'm having symptoms coming back up. I'm really fatigued. I don't think I'm ready to to be working. And my boss was very understanding, very supportive, and immediately told everyone we explained it, and that was it. I really was surprised at how quickly it went. Um, I really expected to get another two weeks of work in. But to tell you the truth, I was glad. I was so mentally and physically exhausted. I was so worn out and I was realizing life is going to be different. Life is going to change. From now on, things are going to be the same. From that point on, I had to throw myself into things at home, uh, resting, 
and actually I was able to do things I didn't have time before to do, which is hang out with my kids, take them to the library, take them to the park, things like that. But I started to get so good at taking care of the house that I remember one day I was sitting on the couch and dinner was done, the house was clean and laundry was going. And I was like, I'm so bored (laughs) right now. But I knew in my heart that that's what God wanted this time to be for me, to learn how to get good at the foundational things of life, just being able to take care of the house. You know, it, it sounds funny to say that now, but at the time, it wasn't very easy for me. It was really, really hard, actually, just to take care of my house to take care of the laundry, things like that. I just didn't like doing it at all. And when your house is not in order, it, it actually causes problems in other areas of your life. And I was actually glad for that time to figure out, okay, how do I take care of my family, take care of the house, make sure things are in order, um, and then build upon that. So that's what that time taught me was, you foundationally need to have certain things in order, whether it's you or your spouse, however you work it out, that is your family. Um, everybody's different. But however you guys work it out, that's from there, you know, things are put on like other activities, work, dreams, things like that. But you need to have your house in order. And I really think that was the time that God was teaching me how to get things in order. So, I'm an ambitious person with big dreams and I'm just getting kind of bored with this. I'm like, I figured this out. So I start looking for work again. I start looking around, doing job searches, but I keep having this feeling in the pit of my stomach, like I'm not supposed to be doing this, but I'm doing it anyways, because that's what, you know, we've been taught to do. You work, you look for a job and I was like, yes, it's time for me to go back to work because I think that I'm doing better. I've gone from not being able to clean for more than five minutes to being able to, you know, work around the house and things like that for an hour. And again, looking back, it feels like God was using that time to kind of build up my endurance again, you know, in a low stakes situation where I'm just in my home working at my own pace So yeah, looking back, like right now, as I'm talking about this, I'm actually reflecting on God's grace to helping me build my endurance quietly and simply and without pressure. But yet, me being ambitious and feeling like I need to contribute and not wanting to be lazy, a lazy wife, you know, I am looking for work, but I just feel like I'm not supposed to do this at all. Um, I remember... I was at the library with my family and I remember picking up a classified newspaper with different jobs and I came home and I put it on my kitchen island and I remember I just did all this other stuff with the kids. I I just kept walking past the island back and forth looking at it. I never picked it up, but every time I looked at it, I felt repulsed. Like this was a force field of repulsion around this paper. Like do not pick this up. And yes, I picked it up and I just felt like, oh, like vom- like I was going to vomit. And the feeling was, what are you doing? 
I told you not to do this. I told you not to look for a job. And it was so strong, almost like I am your provider that I, I was like, I just threw it away. I was like, I'm not doing this. I, okay, okay, God. Okay. So more time passes and I'm praying and finally God's like, I got something for you. And it was almost this feeling like, you know, a friend who has a big surprise and they just cannot wait. Like there's so much joy on the other side waiting. Like when you walk through this door, you're going to be so happy and your friend's going to be so, so happy to see you happy. That's how I felt like Jesus was talking to me like, Ooh, I can't wait. I got something for you. And not too much later, I ended up having an opportunity to serve with AmeriCorps, with the Immigrant and Refugee Service Corps. I served for two terms, so around two years, and it changed my life. Let me tell you, it changed my life so much. Every two weeks, we had personal development. We had mental health training. We worked with immigrants and refugees. I learned how change is made. This is something I've been yearning for in my heart, and I just didn't know how to go about learning about this stuff. But I've always asked the question, how does change actually get made? Like, what are the steps to actually change communities and change hearts? I see people doing it, but how do you learn how to do that? And so when I was in AmeriCorps, I learned. I learned how to network. I learned how to partner. I learned how to be strategic. I learned the vernacular and the words, how to articulate myself, how to be, how to have civic engagement and civic discussion. I got to talk to mental health professionals on the cutting edge, working with immigrants in the city. I got to talk to people who were actually working on policy lawyers. I mean, it was so transformative when I tell you just learning about how um, multi-ethnic and multiple religious backgrounds work together. I was uh, serving in the interfaith center and then I was um, working at my mother-in-law's mission that I'd been volunteering for around 15 years at that point. Um, but I was placed there officially with AmeriCorps. So with AmeriCorps, you're placed with a nonprofit and then you're also doing AmeriCorps work. So part of it was with the Interfaith Center, working to bring mental health resources to faith organizations. And during that time, I had an opportunity to create a film. A longtime friend of ours, an entrepreneur, came to me and wanted to uh, produce a film for an event. And that short film... Well, a very short video idea turned into an actual short film that has been accepted to multiple film festivals, and we've been able to show it around the city to urban and suburban and black, white immigrant groups and have discussions around mental health. And that whole process really changed me. It was such a wonderful opportunity to make that film to see and learn how art can make change. That is the question that I've been asking for years. And when I tell you Jesus was excited, I can see why. He had so many answers for me, not just someone telling me, but me experiencing how change is made, literally witnessing in conversations people come to new realizations, new learnings, 
new epiphanies about themselves and how film and storytelling can be a part of that. And that just literally changed my life. It set me on a new trajectory. So can you imagine if I'd been disobedient and was just like, I'm going to work. I'm just going to go ahead and get a job. But thank God his spirit was (laughs) very uh, determined to get me on the right path. I'll just say that. So AmeriCorps finished now. And of course, that little voice in the back of my head is like, okay, so now what am I supposed to do? Am I supposed to, am I supposed to get a job now? And, you know, I was all too familiar with that feeling of, no, you're not supposed to get a job. So I'm thinking, oh my gosh, what am I going to do next? I actually had had some flare ups of symptoms with MS. So Honestly, I needed to rest. I was really starting to have some more trouble with walking and things like that. So I I think I was a little bit better this time around and I rested. But I remember, again, crying out to the Lord, asking him, why can't I work for anyone? Like, why can't I do this, Lord? I want to contribute to my family's income. I want to help us out. I want to accomplish our dreams, you know, that require money, to be honest. My kids are growing up. Honestly, college is coming around the corner. Lord, why can't I work? And then I thought, well, I actually think God was like, well, if you did, would you be happy if you were working for someone else? And then my question was like, why can't I be happy working for anybody else? Like, what is wrong with me? Seriously, what is wrong with me? Why can't I do this? And why can't I be happy doing it? I just, I had changed so much and I just knew I was just in this weird place. And I was like, Lord, why? Why can't I? And I remember just being on my knees again, like in the middle of my bedroom, just like, what's going on? Why? And it was so loud once again, because you are my filmmaker. That's what I heard. I was like, what? Then I was like, oh, everything was making sense. I'm God's filmmaker. That's why I can't do this for anyone else. I I wouldn't be happy. It never works out. And I just can't do it. I can't tell stories that he doesn't want me to tell. I can't work with people he doesn't want me to work for. I just can't. It's, it's, I just can't, and it's not just me. It's literally like everything conspires against it. And now I know it's because I belong to the Lord. And, you know, people have told me over the years certain things, and I never really got it or understood it or believed it. How, what does that mean? Who am I? Me? You know, I look around and I see people who honestly have more money, more resources, more education, um, more followers, more everything. And I've never been the one chosen in school. I've never been the one that stood out. I've never, I just, I've always been just kind of working hard and grinding and just doing what I love the best that I can do and learning to not look for outside 
you know, a validation. Of course I want that like every other human being, but I've had to learn to keep going, you know, even when I feel invisible and now I I see that it was all training. It was all training. And just knowing that I was God's filmmaker is something that I could keep falling back on when I was feeling confused or discouraged. And when those feelings came back up again or things weren't working out, I could always come back to the fact that I'm God's filmmaker and he has a plan for me and he has a plan to help me and give me a future and give me a hope. So that was episode number one of Woman Behind the Lens. I just wanted to share with you guys my story and help you understand how I figured out that I was God's filmmaker and that this is really a calling for me. And in episode number two, I'm going to share some practical tips to help you moving forward as you tell the stories that you feel like God has put on your heart to tell. So stay tuned for episode number two, and I'll see you next time. Thanks. Woman Behind the Lens is brought to you by Blue House Entertainment, which is a social impact entertainment company dedicated to telling diverse stories that facilitate heart-changing conversation to elevate our culture to a more equitable, inclusive, and empathetic society.